Welcome to the Faking It Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Hart, and I will be doing another advice episode with all of you. It's been a while since we've done one of these, so I'm really excited to be giving you some of my own advice to share. Hopefully it resonates. As you know, if you want to get advice on whatever it is that you want to talk about in my caption, in my link, you can see, you can submit advice and send a voicemail to me. I have a number for you guys to send voicemails to me and get advice on whatever it is you want to talk about. So really take advantage of that. It can be literally about anything. It can be about your career or your friends, family, partners, yourself, self-love, anything you want to talk about, athletic stuff, anything. I'm here to talk to you guys. So take advantage of this, call in, get advice and let's get started. So I got some questions and call-ins from you guys. Okay. The first person that I will be giving advice for came in from Estefania. So let's hear what Estefania has to say. Currently, I'm 26 and I'm working in HR for government, but eventually I want cool. to work from home. And I've always okay. been really interested Who doesn't want to work in from home? data analytics, UX design, Yes, yes, yes. Love it, Estefania. I want to know what approach do you think I should take? I also okay. live in Jersey City, so if you're ever down to hang out uh-huh. and meet new friends, uh, let me know. Cool, Stefania. Thanks for letting me know that you're down to hang if I'm looking for friends. Uh, You know, maybe like I actually love meeting you guys. And so whenever you come up to me, if you see me in person, I literally did a Barry's class yesterday and somebody was like, I loved your podcast episode. I love being a part of the Faking It fam. Hearing that from y'all makes me so happy. So honestly, down to hang with y'all. So yeah, Stefania, that's cool. And then getting into coding, getting into UX design, all that jazz, would love to talk about that with you all because that's a big part of what I love to do and who I am. So let me give you some advice on how to work from home and how to be an engineer or a designer or work in the tech space. Okay, so I definitely think that anybody can be an engineer if they want to. It's actually not that crazy. You don't have to be really good at math or science to be a coder. That's like a big part of my mission statement. I really genuinely believe that. Just to give some context, I'm a B student. My entire life, I have struggled with getting A's in class. I would study so hard for tests, seven hours sometimes on my math tests, and I would always make careless mistakes. I'm just not good at math and science. It's not one of my strong suits. But to give some context on this, I'm literally, so I'm a Stanford student. And right now in school, I'm taking a class on um, accounting and I'm taking a class in philosophy. My philosophy professor literally said to us, he said that he took this test, a brain test, and it came out that he is way below the national average for reading comprehension, memory skills, understanding skills. He graded below the national average. He graded like really, really poorly in all these sections. And yet this man is a philosophy professor at at Stanford. Okay. So just to wrap your head around that, you would think that a philosophy professor at one of the best universities would be really good naturally at reading comprehension, really good at memory skills, really good at analytical skills, but this professor is not good at any of that. Okay. So he was telling this to us kind of to just make fun of himself, but I was like, Whoa, that's really interesting that the best professor isn't naturally good at these things. And another example is my accounting professor, literally in class, he was saying the same thing that whenever he goes out to a restaurant with his friends, his friends are always like, Oh, John, can you be the person that figures out how much we should each pay to split the bill? You're an accountant. You must be really good at math. And he was like, actually guys, I'm really not good at math. And he even asked the class, what's 20% of a million. Cause he's like, I genuinely like don't know how to do that calculation in my head. And somebody raised their hand and like said the answer. And he said that he 
is really good at accounting because he loves to do accounting, but he's not good at math. So the accountant at, at Stanford isn't good at math. The philosophy professor at Stanford isn't good at analyzing things and memory skills. So why are these people doing that? Well, because they love accounting, they love philosophy, and that's what should drive us to do what we love. It's, it doesn't, it's not dependent on if we're good at math or science. It's not dependent on if we're good at analyzing texts or memorizing what people have to say. It's about what we want to do, what we love to do. And these are the best people in these fields. So just to give us context, you don't have to be born good at something to do it. Okay. You just have to want, you have to desire, you have to have that desire to do it. And so I don't think that when I'm in a classroom, I'm the smartest in the room. I'm the best at math. In fact, I genuinely think that I'm really bad at these things, but that doesn't stop me from doing it because what what pushes me to do something is just the drive to want to do it. And what really pays off is hard work. It's that grit. Mastery comes from putting thousands of hours into something. It doesn't come from just naturally being good at it. Talent only takes you so far and really hard work brings it all the way. So I encourage all of you, no matter what the field is, if you don't think that you're naturally good at it, it genuinely doesn't matter as long as you want to put your time and effort into it. That effort is what pays off and that effort is what gives you mastery in any skill. So that's a little bit generally just to put yourself in the right mindset of, I don't know if I can even be an engineer. I don't even know if I can be a coder. doesn't matter if you're naturally good at these things. You just have to want to do it. And if you put the time in, you'll be super successful like the Stanford professors in philosophy and accounting. So that's just to get the mindset right. And then to actually do it. Okay. So how, okay. So now you have the mindset. I want to be an engineer. I want to be a coder. I want to be a UX designer. What do I do? Okay. So for me, I'm a huge self learner. I think that on the internet, we have access to so many resources, way more than any previous generation ever had access to. If you think about it 20 years ago, if you wanted to be an engineer, you couldn't just go on the internet and type in how to be an engineer. No, you had to go to school for engineering. You had to maybe get a textbook, but even that might not have been enough. You had to really get, go to a classroom because that's where they really taught you practical skills to how to be an engineer. It's very difficult to do it on your own, but now is it difficult to do on your own? Absolutely not. We have all the resources and then some on the internet. Coursera, for example, so this is one website, Coursera. It's a great website where literally you can get for very cheap, I think it's like $40 for three months, something like that. You get Stanford, Harvard, Princeton courses that you can take online. And this is the same value add as going to the great universities. You can get it online. So I encourage you all to see what resources are available for you on the internet. The internet is it has access to so much knowledge and information for free at our fingertips. Something that I love is also udemy.com. This is another resource that's really great. Udemy.com gives you courses for $9, $10. Right now I'm actually taking a course on accounting. It's a $10 course that I signed up for that I'm spending my weekends just doing accounting so I can take these advanced classes at Stanford and I don't have to spend my time taking the introductory classes because I don't want to do that. And so there's so much that we can learn online. All right. So now that you know that the internet is a great resource for you, how do you use it to get into coding? So for coding, something that I did when I wanted to build my first app is I literally went to YouTube and I typed in how to make an app. So this is something that you can do too. You can go to YouTube and type in how to make an app. You can go into Google and type in how to make an app, how to build a website, anything like that. You want to be a UX designer? Guess what? The first skill you need to know is how to Google. Googling is your best friend. If you know how to master Google, you can learn anything. Go to Google, type in how to be a UX designer, click on the website that comes up first on courses on how to be UX designers and take the course. Uh, And what's really cool about engineering in particular is that 
what is impressive to employers isn't the degree, it's more the portfolio. So my advice to you all is to build out your portfolio as an engineer. That is, take a course online on engineering. You can find courses for $5, $10, $15 online, commit to it, decide to myself, I'm going to spend every weekend for the next three months doing this course. And so you can still do your full-time job at whatever that is. If you said you're being an analytics person right now, do that, continue doing that. And then on the weekends, spend your time doing these courses and you want to build your portfolio. So when you gain all this skill, actually build projects. Let's think of something that you care about and do it for fun. Let's say as a UX designer, you think Airbnb, the design of Airbnb can be better. Say, okay, I'm going to create a case study of a alternative Airbnb website. Create this Airbnb website using Figma, using all these different design resources, Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, whatever it is that you want to use publish that on your own portfolio website. You don't even have to be a coder to have your own website. You can use Squarespace, you can use Wix. There's so many resources out there for you to even do that. And then create this portfolio and then apply for jobs. And now you can show employers, look at all these things I've built, look at all these apps I made or redesigns I've done if I want to be a designer. So it's all about creating your portfolio because engineering is very project-based. People hire you because they want you to build a website. Show them what websites you've built. Show them your portfolio. Show them that you can do this. And that's something that you don't need a degree for. That's something that you just have to literally create on your computer projects for. That's how I got my first uh job as an engineer. I worked at it as a product engineer at UNO, as an AI company in Redwood City. And what I did was, is I created a website, my portfolio website. I showed them what I was capable of doing. They're like, well, I don't know if we want to hire you because you don't have any requirements. I was like, well, tell me what your interview questions are. I'll show you that I have the knowledge. They said, all right. They sent me their interview questions. I did it. And then I got hired. So what's really cool about working engineering or in the tech industry is that the degree doesn't actually matter as much. What really matters is what you can do and what you can do. You can learn from online for very cheap. So that's how I recommend getting into it. It's about adapting the mindset that you can learn anything from online. And then it's about practicing that on your free time, taking the time to put work into these courses. It's about building your portfolio and then proving to the employer that you can get it done. So these are the four steps to becoming an engineer for very cheap, no matter what you're doing, from your home. And the last thing I'm gonna say here actually is, okay, now you have the skill set, but how do you get the job? So my approach to getting a job is actually very different than most other people's approaches. If you look at the data, only 11% of people who apply for jobs off of like LinkedIn, off of these other websites, or just by sending in the resume, get the job. It's only 11% that of people, let me just say that again, because it's actually really crazy. Only 11% of people who send their resume to a company actually get the job just by sending in their resume. Where does the other 89% come from? Referrals. 89% of people who apply to a company through referrals, through connections, get a job that way. That's crazy. That means that Getting jobs is really just about who you know. It's about referrals. It's about making those connections with people. Because if you think about how this world works, it's very people-based, okay? We don't, we're not about the numbers. We're about who's your friend. You we download the best way, the best way marketing works is by recommendations. If your friend recommends to you, oh, you should check out this restaurant, it's so good, a person is very likely to check out that restaurant. We're all we like to function through people. We listen to our friends' recommendations and we like to hire our friends and work with their friends. That's just how people work. And understanding that in the workplace is so important because if you want to get a job somewhere, think about 
friends and people and connections rather than let me make my resume like super clean and hopefully that will help. That will help you, but only 11% of the time. 89% of the time, it actually won't be very helpful. So how do we make these connections at companies if we don't know anybody? Don't worry about it. I have the answers for you guys. I'm gonna let you in on all my secrets, okay? So don't worry about it. This is this is what you do if you don't know anybody at the company you wanna work at. Let's say you decide that you wanna work at Google, all right? I wanna work at Google as a UX designer. I think that'd be really awesome. They'll pay me well. It's very cushy. They give you, they have like massages at the companies. Like it's dope. Like I wanna work at Google. All right, I get it. I mean like, it's a very cushy job. It's great. So how do you do that if you don't know anybody there? Well, this is what I would do. And I recommend you guys doing this too. You want to make connections. You want to make connections at the company there. How do you make connections? One step to doing that is going to LinkedIn and trying to think exactly what do I want to do at this company? What exact vertical do I want to work in? You think about it and you decide that you want to work on the vertical at Google that does the Google Scholar page. You know, like if you do scholar.google.com, you think that part of Google's infrastructure is super dope. You want to work there. Okay. Um, so once you figure out exactly what department at Google you want to work in, you then start reaching out to people who work at, as a USX designer on the scholar.google.com part of the, of Google. So you go to LinkedIn, you type in scholar, Google UX designer, and you type in New York. Let's say you're living in New York. You want to work in New York. You literally type this in on LinkedIn and you see all these different people that work as UX designers in the scholar department of Google. Great. You click on every single person that works in this department, ideally in New York or ideally in wherever you live in. And then you LinkedIn message them and say, hey, my name is XYZ. I am a new UX designer. I'm really interested in what you do at Google. I would love to talk over Zoom or coffee if you have a couple minutes to chat. Something like that. Or just say, I want to be connected. I would love to connect with you. Once you're connected with them, then you LinkedIn message them and say that you want to talk for coffee or grab coffee or talk over Zoom. Don't mention anything about looking for a job. Right now, we're not we're not trying to look for a job. We're trying to make friends. Step one to getting a job is making friends because now we know that getting a job is all about connections. So if you want to get a job, wherever it is that you want to get it, just step one is to make friends. Okay, cool. So hopefully you reach out to, for me, literally 100 people over LinkedIn, okay? And the rate of return, the rate of success of responses is usually like one to 10%, okay? So you gotta put the work in. This is not easy, but it's effective, okay? So you're gonna reach out to 100 people by doing this. Ideally, you get their email addresses too. So to get their email address and you send them an email, a more detailed email saying like, we'd love to chat with you over coffee or I think what you do is really cool, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and to get their email, there's tons of resources to do that. I use this software called Apollo.io. It's a Chrome extension that literally on LinkedIn, it if you add it to your Chrome, it gives you email addresses of LinkedIn people. So it's called Apollo.io. I'll add it to my uh, like information below so you can get access to that. All right. So you email them, you LinkedIn message them. Hopefully you get 10 people. You reach out to 200 people. Hopefully 10 or 15 people respond to you. Okay, wait, that seems small if you reach out to 200, but 10 or 15 people, that's a lot of friends that you're making at Google now, right? These are going to be very helpful connections for you when you decide that you want to really switch jobs. So you meet them for coffee, you meet them over Zoom, you talk to them, and then eventually after you meet them the second or third time and you become friends with them, then you say, oh, by the way, I'm actually like looking to transition careers right now. Do you know if there's any openings at Google? And if they say, oh yeah, we have this internship available or yeah, let me connect you to this person or I, I would, and this is where the connections come in. Now you're getting a referral from a Google employee to get a job there. That's huge. That's invaluable to getting jobs at wherever you want. So 
I hope this helps you understand that there are other ways to get a job outside of just sending in your resumes. The way that companies work is referral based. We're all about connections and recommendations. That's how people buy things and get jobs. And so hopefully this helps you understand that the most important thing to do is to become friends with people at the company. And the way you do that is by cold emailing them, is by connecting with them on LinkedIn. It's the next step is getting coffee with them or talking with them over Zoom, doing it again, solidifying that friendship. And then the third time you talk to them, this is three months into your relationship with them, you talk about a job. And maybe even by then they'll they'll offer something to you. They'll be like, oh, uh, I really like, like all the things that you've shown me, like your portfolio and stuff. You know, we're actually hiring. Are you interested in working at Google? You know, something like that. That's like best case scenario when you get offered the job. You don't even send in your resume at all. They offer you a job like, whoa, that's so cool. But this is possible. This has happened with me with another internship of mine when I worked at Neuroscape when I was 17 years old. I did this exact thing, reached out to a hundred people who worked at this company in the department I wanted to work in. Eventually they offered me a job because they're like, oh, you know, we have an internship program. Like you should do it. And I was like, oh yeah, I would love to. But really all along, that's what I wanted to do. Okay. So it's just about understanding how people work, understanding how companies work and understanding other alternative ways to getting hired at the job you want to work at. So I hope this is helpful with getting into engineering and coding. And now we can hear advice for the next person. So the next person is from Anna. Let's see what Anna has to say. Hello, my name is Anna. Hi, Anna. I've been listening to your podcast for like a couple of days now and I just love it. Like all the topics are super interesting. Thank you. Thank you. And I thought I would ask you about queerness and dating. Mm -hmm. So I'm queer, but I've mostly dated men in my life. Like my longest relationships were with men. Mm -hmm. And although I had a girlfriend, Mm -hmm. I realized lately that I have no game with women like yeah this I don't is, know how to flirt with them yeah this is I don't common know how to, like even ask them out on a date like yeah. I don't know I just feel so not confident I don't yeah. even know where to start mm-hmm. and yeah so I thought I'd ask you what you think about that and yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to hear what you think and yeah wish you all the best Thank you, Anna. Wishing you all the best back. All right. So this is so common, actually. So many people struggle with hitting on girls if they're a new queer, if they're bisexual. Okay. There's so much to say here. Uh, There's really so much to talk about. Okay. In our society, it was very normalized for guys to hit on girls, you know, like guys come up to you, ask you out for a date. Guys ask you out for prom. It's just very normalized for men to ask women out and therefore when you're bisexual or when you're a lesbian or when you're queer and you're like woman, we're not really like, we haven't practiced hitting on girls for the most part. That's number one. And number two, we haven't have practiced hitting on people really period. We don't really that frequently ask men out on dates. Usually men are asking us out on dates. And so because of that, it's just even hitting on anybody and being kind of the pursuer isn't as common as being the person that is pursued. So I just want to emphasize that hitting on girls and feeling that discomfort is very normal. Uh, A lot of people feel that even if they're straight and they want to hit on a guy and be the pursuer, a lot of women are, aren't like feel uncomfortable about making the first move or like, you know, like that's not as normalized as being like, like they're the one that's like kissing the guy. Usually the guy's trying to kiss them. It's like always this giving like them coming in 80% and you going in 20 and that 20% is literally just like consent of like, oh yeah, I want to kiss you too. You know? So I think that's like, 
a big reason as to why it's difficult to hit on girls. It's just hitting on people and being the pursuer period is uncomfortable for a lot of like bisexual, new queer people, etc. So just emphasizing that that's very normal, Anna, that you feel this way. Even if you have a partner, it's still very normal. I had a relationship too. And even so, I still didn't have much practice hitting on girls. My ex-girlfriend, she was one of the first girls I ever dated and we met through a dating app. So I didn't have to like pursue her in that way. You know, Uh, we kind of like already knew that we liked each other from the get-go. So I totally understand that. Okay. So this is my approach to hitting on women. I, I, I won't make it too long, but I do have some strategies from now having more practice with it. Uh, okay. So step one is to let it be known that you are queer. A lot of bisexual people, a lot of queer women, they may not represent or look queer and therefore people don't know it because like, that's why some queer people just like wear flannels or like do something or like wear pride, whatever, just because they want to let other women know that they're queer and that they're interested. Like, that's literally the reason why. And if, if let's say you don't want to have to wear a like a pride colored necklace every single day and you don't have to look queer, the way to let people know that you're queer is to very casually bring it up in a conversation that you're queer and see if they say, oh, me too. Cause that's like the sign that like, oh, they're, they're queer. And maybe they're also interested in me because they wanted to bring it up. So step one is to find a way to slide into the conversation when you're hitting on a girl that you're queer, just to see if they're queer too. So I always do that. I always, I'm always like, yeah, like let's say I'm talking about my social media. I say, yeah, I do a lot of like queer content, you know, like something like that's so casual and they'll be like, oh, cool. I'm queer too. Or something like that. So that's like, one approach is to very casually slide into the conversation that you're queer. That's one. Step two, another thing you can do is hit on them after you let it known that you're queer. It's very different than when you're straight and you say to your straight friend, like, oh, I, you look so beautiful on that. Like, okay, fine, cool. Like, thank you. I look beautiful. But you're not hitting on them, you know? But if you say, I'm queer, you find a way to slide that into the conversation. And then you say, oh, by the way, like that dress looks really beautiful on you. That's a little different because now it's known that you're attracted to women. And so that's, that's in the definition of hitting on them. So I would say step one is to let it be known that you're queer. Step two is to hit on them, tell them that they're beautiful, compliment their eyes. That's actually such an easy thing to do. Like uh, saying their outfit is nice is so easy saying like, I love your eyes are so beautiful. That's also like something super easy to do. So just complimenting their eyes. Um, and then the third thing you can do, if let's say none of these things are working, you still don't know if they're queer the third thing you can do is just literally ask them, what's your sexuality? I don't do this that often, but I definitely do it occasionally when I want to like challenge myself and like find out if somebody's queer, be like, oh yeah, like what's your sexuality? Like talk about your own first and then say, what about you? You know, like what's your sexuality? So that's why I say, what's your sexuality? Like, I don't say, are you queer or like, are you lesbian or whatever? I just say, what's your sexuality on occasion if I really don't know and I really want to know. Uh, And then if you find out that they're queer, and you complimented them and they complimented you back, then you can be like, oh, do you want to go out sometime? Or like, uh, can I buy you a drink? Or, you know, something like that. I think those are the steps to doing it. Even like right now, I, you know, it's hard. It's like kind of like ripping a bandaid. You just have to get rejected and understand that that's part of the process. I've been rejected a gazillion times from people and you just have to accept that, oh, well, their loss like have that mentality it's their loss and also it's good practice to hit on people because the more that you do it the more that you realize it's actually not so scary to do and that the worst case scenario is that they say no and you move on with your life and it's actually not that bad so my advice is to get the practice in and let your sexuality be known and then compliment them ask about their sexuality and then 
offer to buy them a drink or ask them out on a date. So that's my advice on how to hit on a girl. I know it's really scary and it's normal that it's scary because of heteronormativity where men are usually the pursuers and women are the ones being pursued. So it's because of that. It's heteronormative society that we live in. Uh, but we can change that by hitting on more girls. So I hope you do that. All right. And I guess this is the end of my advice segment for the podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Once again, go a bit.ly slash Miriam advice. I think that's what the link is. It will be in the description below. If you go to that link, you can send me in a voicemail and ask me a question and I'll give you advice on it. And I hope you enjoy it. Kisses, bitches.